Friends, welcome back to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. So one of the themes that has really been resonating with me over the last year or so, and it was really kind of prompted by the writing of my upcoming book, was this concept that there's more to the old-fashioned skills that you and I love than meets the eye. And, you know, we come into this lifestyle of homesteading or old-fashioned on purpose with this desire for maybe homegrown tomatoes or sourdough bread, or we want to live in the country and, and have our chickens. But I think what most of us realize as we progress on this journey, that those are just the beginning. And it's really the gateway to something much, much deeper and much, much more beautiful, even more beautiful than sourdough bread, which I think is pretty substantial. And so a big piece of that that I've really been sinking into over the last few months and and, and years even is just this connection to nature through the garden. The garden's more than just what we harvest. And I'm learning more about the soil and more about our connection to plants and how we have this mutually beneficial relationship. And so I've been really fascinated by that. And I wanted to get into that deeper today. So I have the most amazing guest joining us. Her name is Maria Fayella, and she is a New York-based plant killer turned happy plant lady on a mission to make the world a kinder, greener place by helping everyone care for their house plants in a more successful way. And she's not just about the house plants, so she can also help us learn how to grow some more edible plants inside too. So she is author of Growing Joy. She has an amazing podcast all about this and she's joining us today. Welcome, Maria. Hey, I'm so excited to be here and I'm totally like a baby homesteader. Um, you know, we recently moved to the country and my husband is a huge sourdough baker. He, t- he started baking sourdough in the pandemic when we still lived in New York, New York City, but the sourdough has has totally taken on. We're pickling everything. I've got 25 grow bags of, you know, of food that I'm growing and medicinal herbs. And, um, you know, the longer we stay in the country, the more I feel like the slower my hobbies get, like embroidery and sewing. Yes. And, you know, he's into spoon, spoon carving and stuff. So I'm so excited to be on your podcast because you're, you're goals for me. So this is going to be such a fun conversation. Yes, I've been looking forward to this. And I wanted to kind of kick it off. Could you give us a little bit of your story? Because I was I was looking through your website. You had a really compelling, even just a few sentences, a really compelling before and after of kind of where you were and then how plants kind of transformed a lot of your life. So can you give us a bird's eye view of how that happened? Yeah, the last six years have been so wild and never could have predicted them. Um, I was living in, you know, in 20, I guess, 19, I was still a wildly overscheduled, overstimulated millennial. I was a professional musical theater performer. So I was performing on Broadway. I was doing national tours of Broadway shows. And I was living in 500 square feet with my husband in New York City in the ant, in an ant farm. Basically, that's yep, what he likes yep. to call them, an ant farm in 500 square feet. And I was a plant killer. So, you know, as a professional performer, I was constantly touring, going to different theaters, living there for three months. So I was just trying to take care of myself. I couldn't even think about caring for plants. And every time I tried to bring a plant home, I had this like yearning in my heart to have plants around me, but I just didn't know how to care for them. So I would kill them and then I would feel bad about it. So I decided to just like label myself a plant killer and I would just treat myself to cut flowers. Mm. Or I would view houseplants as slower dying bouquets, right? Like if you bought I a snake plant, <laughs> yeah. if you buy a snake plant, you're going to get three months with it before it dies, yeah. you know, or starts to look bad. So like for those listening, 
whatever weird stuff you've done with your house plants, like, don't worry, there's no judgment here, even though that's all I do is talk about them now. Um, things changed when I moved in with my husband and I had a tiny little Southern balcony, a, a nine square foot balcony, tiny balcony, couldn't even stand on it and Southern facing windows in our new apartment. And I thought, okay, I'm nesting. This is my first home that I'm having with a partner. I want to bring life in. I want to make this cozy and I want to grow some herbs for us because we're huge cooks. And you know, I like to say I came to plants for the aesthetic, but I stayed for the wellness because yes, I brought the plants in because I thought they would look beautiful in our home. And I thought, you know, it would be nice to have herbs, but I ended up staying because, and I, I say this and I know this sounds dramatic, but plants, care, learning to care for plants changed my life because when I learned to care for plants, I learned to care for myself. And I think so many of us, especially if you're living in a city or, you know, if you've got a busy job or a busy life, we just like live our lives based on our calendars. We're screen addicted. We wake up with our phones in the morning. We give ourselves no agency to have thoughts, you know, to have time with ourselves. And plants really gave me that opportunity to carve time out for myself every day. Um, you know, instead of just jumping from appointment to an appointment and setting my alarm for 20 minutes before I had to leave, I found what I like to say is I used to have coffee with my phone in the morning. So I'd wake up with the alarm on my phone and then I'd have my coffee with my phone and I'd, you know, watch Instagram and Facebook. But when I started having this balcony garden and my houseplants, I started having coffee with my houseplants instead. And in that morning space, that time that I created without my phone with nature, I reconnected with nature. I experienced this unbelievable awakening of all of a sudden not only was I aware of my plants, but I was aware of all the trees on my street. Um, I had lived there for three years. I had never noticed the trees on my street. And all of a sudden, I'd find myself like looking up, staring in awe of these unbelievable trees that survive in New York City. Um, and I found that I was just developing such a deeper relationship with myself in that time where I was sitting with my plants and journaling, but also all of a sudden I started seeing all my life lessons that I needed to learn reflected back to me in my little potted plants. And um, it's been a love affair ever since. So it around that time I started my podcast. It used to be called Bloom and Grow Radio. It's now called Growing Joy with Plants. So that's what we do. We, we cultivate joy through caring for plants on my podcast. And um yeah, that was five years ago and, you know, a top podcast and a book and, you know, a total 180 life pivot. Here we are. So in the pandemic, we moved to five acres. So I like to say we moved from 500 square feet to five acres, um, totally dove in the deep end, totally unprepared for it. Uh, but it's been a really beautiful kind of unraveling and, and a, at a deeper, for lack of a better word, like rooting into this, this knowing that I've had that, that plants and nature are a huge part of the answer to the mental health epidemic where, where our, especially Americans are, are struggling with right now. Oh my goodness. You are speaking my language so much. Yes. We're such oh, kindred so spirits. Good. We are such, we're such kindred spirits. Yeah. Yes. I'm so excited to finally be chatting with you. Yes. Um, just that awakening you described, like I felt, I've felt that as well. I was so oblivious to that, like growing up and even as a young adult, I just like, I did not care. I just did not pay attention. It was, I was so oblivious and it was just this process of just like, yeah, the plants and just being in nature and being in the soil that now like, it's like your senses kind of come alive. It's oh my so gosh. magical. And I'm like, how many people are missing this because we're I so know. 
disconnected. Yeah. And so in the research for my book, there's actually a term for this. It's called plant blindness. Oh my um, gosh, really? Yes. So there's a chapter of the, of this on my book, um, in my book, Growing Joy. Um, you know, I, I like to describe plant blindness as, you know, in the 90s, all the 90s movies had this like gorgeous woman who was a nerd and she had glasses and she was like, you know, the leading lady, but she was just like, she had glasses and, you know, her, the love interest, the guy in the movie wasn't interested in her. And then all of a sudden, like she took her glasses off and like she took her bun out. She was this beautiful person. And then the guy was like in love with her the whole time. I feel like that's plant blindness, right? Um, So it's actually like a term that papers have been written on, right? I prefer to call it plant bias instead of plant blindness, because I want to be sensitive to people who experience physical blindness and cannot just have this awakening. But Yeah, it's that thought that, you know, society has evolved so rapidly. If you think about our grandparents, 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 we grew up in nature, right? Like our human anatomy, our physiology, our nervous systems are designed to be in nature because we are nature. Humans, our bodies, that's we are nature. And our minds, you know, have evolved so quickly that we've become disconnected to that original predisposition that all of our bodies have. And so as we live in ant farms in 500 square feet in New York City, as we have too much time, on, you know, as we have every minute of our day scheduled, overscheduled, and we can't even just be with ourselves or be with plants, we become so disconnected that we've actually become, you know, blind or biased to nature. And there have been studies that show that, you know, we, um, we will notice animals more than we will notice plants. Even though animals and plants are both living things, right? But for some reason, we don't recognize trees and grass and greenery as something living. And once you do, and once you recognize that living in these green things, you see yourself in them, right? Um, on some sort of like intrinsic, um, you know, uh, subconscious level. And I think that is that like heart explosion that you just described. Like that is that like, oh my God, why is not everyone doing this? Um, because we don't know what we don't know and we don't know any better. We're like completely numbed out to it. Yes. And then I think, you know, what I see a lot in my community is, you know, cause a lot of my community or a lot of the people who start with me and then grow up with me is people who are living in cities and get their first house plant. And then all of a sudden they have 60 house plants. They like blink their eyes and they like didn't know what happened, but it's, that is such a common experience because yes, yes. you have this part of your heart, you have this aspect of your nervous system feel seen for the first time, and then you need more and more and more of it. Um, there's also, you know, a dark side to getting too many plants. I have chapters in my book on that too, but um, yeah, there's this, it's it's so interesting because it's it's even interesting to hear your experience of that too, because I think we all have this, this awakening, this this realization of how, you know, biased we've been to these plants. And we think, oh my God, I must be the only person. Like this is, this must only be my experience of this feeling so epic, like the magnitude of it. But actually, it's such a common experience. Um, yes. And then it's really funny having that experience and then trying to explain to your friends who have not had that experience and they just like look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> Well, totally. And I'm like, no, no, like it's real. Like if, you're, if you, if you felt it, you, you just would be so excited. But they're like, Jill, you're mm-hmm. like waxing poetic over a tomato plant and it's like getting weird. Oh my oh. gosh. That's how I feel. I have a, <laughs> literally a, a sentence in my book that says, 
you know, you like my my normal friends were not excited to hear about my tomato plant. Yeah. And so I had to go find plant friends on the Internet because I was like, why does no one understand how I'm feeling right now? Um, So I'm right there in you. And tomatoes are a big gateway, I think, to that experience because you get to watch that evolution so, so quickly. Yes. And that's what I feel like you, you mentioned people get one house plant and then they have six seat. And I feel like that's what I'm like. I'm like, this is my this is my mission in life. I just am like, yeah, just get just just grow a tomato. Just get a couple chickens. And I'm like, right. I know what's going to happen. All, all I have to do is get to take that chicken. first step. And then it all, you know, the na- nature takes the rest of the way. And then they're going to be 100 like, percent all all in within a couple of years. But it's just yeah, it, it's magical. Mm hmm. Can you get into, because I, I, when I was writing my upcoming book, I, I got into some of, the, I think some of the same research you probably found in yours and I was just blown away. Just, can you explain a little bit of the like physical effects on our bodies when we are in nature, when we are connecting to plants or, we, or in soil? Can you kind of give us a, a bird's eye view of what's going on in our body? Absolutely. And I feel like, you know, we both have been doing research on this, um, Shout out to the science. It's so interesting that there is not as much research and scientific proof as you think there would be because I feel like, once again, nature is not prioritized. <laughs> but they're really cool theories and, and um, they're really cool theories that, that have been published. So the one that really makes the most sense to me is this term called biophilia. People might have heard about it because you hear a lot discussed about biophilic design right now um, mm. in architecture. But biophilia, um, a term coined in the 70s, is um, by uh, E.O. Wilson, is a concept that basically, you know, a little bit what I just described. So we are nature, we are life, and we are predisposed to, you know, intrinsically recognize life in other humans, but also life in animals and life in nature. And because if you think about our ancestry and how intertwined and connected we were to nature, that's when our nervous systems are at home. That's when we feel calm. That's when we feel whole. That's when we feel alive. And when we get disconnected, that's when we feel out of sync, right? So the living in me sees the living in you and feels at home. Um, So it's a nervous system thing. And I think, you know, how many people do you know that say my garden is my therapy? How many people you know that says, I got to go take a walk. I've got to clear my head. I've got to go take a walk around the block or I've got to go camping and go to the woods. Like how many people do you know when they go camping, that's when they get their million dollar idea or that's when they have the most fulfilling experiences with their family. It's because our nervous systems are designed to feel their best surrounded by plants. So, um, you know, we have to strive. We have to work a little bit harder to put our bodies and our brains, you know, in those experiences. And obviously, you know, like we said offline, like, you know, 60 acres, five acres is not realistic for everyone. But this knowledge is important for everyone. Because I'm very fortunate that I can wake up and be with my trees every morning. But when I was in New York City, I would wake up and I would walk to the local community garden. And I would go spend time at the local community garden to get that piece that I needed before, you know, my day started. So yeah, this term biophilia is very interesting. Um, it's a very interesting book. And then now in the office space, you know, biophilic design, there's been science, there's been really interesting um, papers that have kind of proven, you know, if you put plants in a workplace, your workers are going to be more productive and more creative, and they're going to report having better 
you know, workplace um, happiness. Uh, there was this really interesting study that like the top requested things that workers wanted were was like a, a window with like a view of nature and greenery and bright light. And those three things are like that's that's being outdoors, right? So biophilic design now is taking that concept of biophilia and moving forward and saying, okay, how can we, how can we make indoors as appealing as outdoors as possible? And that's not just like putting green walls in homes. That's like in nature, there are very few like right angles, like hard edges. So can we design, you know, with, with smooth lines, like, can we take design inspiration from nature and can we have natural materials indoors? And can we do, I mean, it's, it's really fascinating and I think it's totally the future. Um, so yeah, that's this kind of connection. And, you know, if you're living in a city, you know, you've got to take that extra step to make sure that you remain connected and not disconnected. Yes. But it's still possible. 100% for those 100%. yeah for those who are because I feel like some so often and I think that's the blessing and curse of sh- social media is like people see my life or they see other homesteaders online yeah. and they're like yeah they're they're romanticizing it they're aspiring to it but then they kind of put us in this box like well I can't live like her so I just unattainable I just can't do it it's unattainable I'm like no 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 wait you can yeah. take the pieces of this and apply it to where you are totally I mean when I was in 500 square feet I had Plants in every room. I mean, I was excessive. I had 160 house plants in 500 square feet That's at one amazing. point, but I, I didn't for the whole time, right? You can have three house plants and get a lot of the benefits, but you know, having a plant in your bedroom, having a plant in your workspace, in your workspace, um, positioning your, you know, if you work from home, putting your desk up against a window so you get natural light in your eyes. Um, you know, I had literally nine square feet of a balcony. I could not sit on my balcony, but I was growing tomatoes and every single herb and chives and, you know, putting them in my eggs every morning. Um, I do have a friend who had a chicken in her New York City apartment. I don't no know way. if I would recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds but, complicated. You know, yeah. You can compost. You know, we composted in our New York City apartment. There's amazing, there's amazing countertop composters now. Yeah. We have one here, actually. Um but yeah, it's totally attainable. But I totally hear you on the, um, you know, people, even in the houseplant space, you know, people looking at people who have 500 houseplants or really rare houseplants and thinking, oh, well, I, I can't make my home look like a jungle. You don't even need to do that. You can do this with like three or four houseplants and, and totally receive the benefits. Yes. Yes. I love that. Um, just hear you talk about the biophilia and that how it kind of regulates our nervous system it's just it's so funny to me because when I when I first started gardening I didn't notice it as much and I think it's part of that awakening and and but now like I'm almost like I cannot function without it and like even this last week we've had a really stressful week we've had some employee issues at the restaurant we own and there's just been a lot of stress and like I've had I I don't have time to garden this week technically like I'm running like a mad woman but I have had this insatiable urge i'm like i have to be out and i need i need to be in the garden for at least 30 minutes just and it's it's really nothing to do with the chores that need to be done out there it's just like i need it like i have to be out there and even this morning i need to smell the tomatoes i need to smell the tomatoes i just need to touch something living and i like had my coffee this morning i went outside and i just had this urge i was like i'm just gonna go stand in this tree like i'm just gonna go let the tree touch my skin i'm like my husband walks by he's i'm gonna look absolutely ridiculous but i don't Mm -hmm. care but it's just like our bodies know, and I think we've denied those instincts so long that we don't feel them anymore. But man, when you start yes. to just listen to those little tugs, it's powerful. 
Totally. Even just the simple act of putting your bare feet on the earth. Yes. You know, if we want to keep bringing it back, to, you know, if you want me to keep bringing it back to my, you know, New York City experience. Um, yes, maybe you don't have an epic garden, but there's some patch of grass probably in a city close enough to you that you could go and just take your shoes off and root into the earth's energies. Yes. Um, you know, grounding, that's a practice. Um, also studies, you know, proving the benefits of it. The earth yep. has an electrical current. We never used to wear shoes. We used to be plugged in to that earth's current and then rubber shoes have, you know, totally changed that. I still wear shoes, guys. I'm not, you know, but knowing this, I try and spend five minutes a day with my feet on the earth and it makes a total difference, especially if you're tired, like in the afternoon, if you've just like hit a wall to give yourself five minutes and go do that Um, or as a way to meditate. If you can, you know, if you have a meditation practice, I know a lot of people in the city have them because you need them to like stay calm with all the energy around you, you know, see if you can go meditate with your feet on the earth somewhere. Um, yeah, there it's so underrated and it's completely free. This, these things that we're talking about are completely free. They don't need to be totally crazy and, you know, unaccessible. And I'm not going to have peace until I have 20 chickens. You know, that's not, that's not what this is. You can have peace wherever you are, as long as you just figure out a way to work with, to connect with nature in a way that works for you and your lifestyle. Yes, absolutely. Um, have you read the book? I'm assuming you have Braiding Sweetgrass. I've read it like 40 times. I bet I you love have. I bet you- <laughs> 40 is yeah. an exaggeration. I've read the book three yeah. times, but I live yeah. where she where she lives. So oh it's gosh. so special because the plants that she talks about are like the plants in my yard. Oh, so yeah. Robin Wall Kimmerer, what a gift to civilization she, she is. Yes, I'm, yeah. I'm going through it now. I can't believe I haven't read it sooner. Like it was in my periphery, but I just that's didn't how read I felt it. too. Yeah. yeah, and I am listening to it, and I've been listening to it a little bit when I garden, mm-hmm. and I'm just like mm-hmm. it's such it's like a spiritual experience listening to oh it my gosh. and being outside at the same time. But one of the pieces that almost made me cry when I got to that part in the book was where she asked her students, "Do you believe your gardens? You love your gardens, but do you believe your gardens love you back?" Mm-hmm. And that concept, I had never thought of it like that because I think we're kind of told in different ways that, you know, we're kind of the scourge of the earth as humans and we're, we're just always doing damage and we can do damage. Absolutely. But we're not really taught in our modern culture that we can be partners, that we are a part of nature. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. if you, in all your research and your discovery, if you've come across um, any of that information in terms of like with our, with house plants or with the things you might be growing inside, like they're good for us and we have that evidence, but when we're touching them, when we're when we're in contact with them on a daily basis, can that affect how they're growing other than just like the obvious weeding and watering? That's a great question. I've never been asked that question before. Um, my first inclin- my first thought is, you know, once again, if we talk about plant blindness, I feel like with pets, we understand that, yes, we love them and our pets you know, give us a lot, but we also understand that, you know, we're gifting our pets the best life they can have. And, you know, I have a baby bird. I'm like, Frankie, my baby bird, he's a budgie. He lives like Prince. He has the greatest yeah. life, you know? Yeah. Um, and he's sleeping right now. Thank goodness. He's <laughs> getting a bird as a podcaster. Bad idea. Oh, I mean, best be idea I ever good. had. Yes. Yeah. But he's yeah. in my office and he will totally like crash recordings. Yeah. Um, and I think once again, it goes back to that like thing of we don't see plants as living things, right? Like we yeah. don't even consider 
them and their experience. Um, I haven't come across research. I can have my own, you know, spiritual feelings about it. I mean, I know that there are those studies that I feel like I've seen, you know, they're always viral videos of like, you put two tomato plants in a school and you have the kids yell at one and you have the kids right. speak kindly to another. And the one that speaks kindly, you know, thrives. I fully believe that, you know, I have a chapter in my yeah. book about planty affirmations that you can say to your plants and then to yourself. So like, I'm a full believer of talking to your plants and keep speaking kindly to your plants. But selfishly, it is for, you know, the the human's experience. But I think, you know, we're rescuing plants from the garden center, just like we're rescuing, um, we're rescuing animals, right? Like we're, we can either take care of them and see them thrive and see them grow and see them flower for us and see them, you know, I just had a, I just had a corn plant. I've had it for seven years. It flowered for me the other day. And I was just like, oh, "Oh, this is wild. I didn't even know these types of house plants could flower indoors. Um, So I think, you know, I do think it's a relationship. Um, You can absolutely have a relationship with your plants and tune into their energies. Like you said, you know, there's something in you that craved being with those plants, being with those, and and really it's being in that energy of the plant. So I do think there's reciprocity there. Um, And I think even if there isn't science that proves that, I think, you know, something Robin Wall Kimmerer talks about a lot is like, having gratitude for the plant. And if you're going to, if you're going to take a plant from the ground, if you're going to forage, if you're going to take a tomato from your plant, you know, think like thanking the plant before you take it, um, thanking the food before you eat it, you know, um, it's that reciprocity. It's that gratitude I think is very important, even if there aren't studies that prove it because ideally the plants do feel it. Right. But even if not, I think there's a, um, you know, you speak to, you know, that we're just constantly ruining the earth. But I think if we approach it with more gratitude, even if it's a plant, like a house plant, it's going to, that's going to, that's going to give a ripple effect that, you know, ultimately will make us better stewards of the earth, I think. So I'm interrupting this episode for just a second to give you a very important canning lid update because, well, people like you and me care about these things. Some of you may remember back in 2020, that I did a video that ended up going viral all about reusable canning lids. They were a great option for that season when you basically couldn't find metal lids in stores. It was a huge problem. There was a lot of drama about it. And this type of reusable lid worked pretty good. They had a slightly higher rate of failure, but they were a great option versus like just not canning at all. However, I recently heard from that company and because of supply chain shortages, they've had to move over to disposable gaskets. And so because of that, I've been looking for a different option. Now, last fall, when I was at a homesteading conference, I met the owners of a brand new company and they gave me some lids to try, but I was hesitant to tell you about them until I had a chance to put the lids to use and see how they really worked. However, eight months in, I've been using these lids exclusively and I am so impressed. The name of the company is Four Jars and basically they just kind of check all the boxes for me. These lids seal beautifully. They are heavy duty. You can purchase them in bulk for a discount. They have free shipping options. And they're a small family-owned company that really cares about their product and their customers. So 
I am so happy to be using these lids now. And if you'd like to give them a try, you can head on over to theprairiehomestead.com slash four jars. Use code PURPOSE10 to get a discount. And I'll drop all that info down in the show notes. So now back to our episode. Absolutely. And I know even just for me, like science or no science, just since listening to that piece of the book and just having that mindset when I'm out there weeding or mulching or, or, you know, pruning and thinking as I'm doing it, like maybe the plant, like it's, it's an, it's a mutual beneficial relationship. And I'd always just thought of it as like, this plant is my plant and I own this plant and I'm just here for my benefit. I'm like, what if I'm here for its benefit too? And just like, I don't know, that little mindset shift has just, it just made it feel different. It's made gardening different this year. So that's yeah, and if yeah. it's better, like if it's more enriching, then one hundred percent. Who cares if there's a study? Like who care? we exactly, do it, who right? Cares? We're all here to just better. feel yep. better. We're all trying to just yep. feel better, right? In the like shitstorm of a like yep. world that we live in right now. So I, I'm a full full believer of speaking to your plants on a daily basis. You know, cheering them on as they grow. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Totally. I visit my yeah. plants in the morning when I wake up and I, and I say good morning to them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. Love it. Um, so let's shift over to a little more of the practical. We talked, we talked about philosophy and big picture and why it's so important, but I'd love to get your knowledge. Have you shared some of that on growing plants? inside or on an apartment balcony because by your listeners listeners have heard me say so many times that the old-fashioned principles i teach can be applied regardless of where you live and i always use the example of an apartment in new york city so i love that yeah. i have a former apartment dweller from <laughs> new york city who can speak yes to this. but also like I, think I, can, I confess to you before we hit record i am not great with house plants i legit kill them and i have large gardens outside that look pretty dang good this year but my house plants it's like so mm-hmm. help help us that's Yes, what, how, what 100%. Tricks for actually, let's start with the, the like herbs. I've, I can yeah. keep a herb alive in a pot in the windowsill, but it never grows enough for me to actually eat it or harvest okay. from it. What am okay. I doing wrong? Okay. Windowsill herb gardening 101. Yes. You need six to eight hours of direct sunlight. So okay. if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, that window pretty much needs to be Southern exposure. Okay. Um, if you're growing in a Northern window, if you're growing in an Eastern window, it's going to be very hard for those herbs to get enough photos, uh, enough photosynthesis to make their own food to grow. Mm. Um, the way that you'll know whether or not you have enough light is if the herbs get leggy. Um, so the distance between their leaves grows larger and larger. Basil is a good example of that. Basil, I love because she's such a drama queen that she's going to like, let you know immediately if she's happy or not, you know? Yeah. Um, so for most people in apartments, it's the light that's the issue. Very few people in apartments or homes have enough Southern exposure where their herbs can get six to eight hours of direct light, right? Because you, you really do need that for herbs. And especially if you're growing any sorts of like tomatoes or, or edibles. Um, another thing that I see with apartment dwellers is you've got to make sure that you have the right pots. Um they don't like wet feet. So you need to have pots that have holes in the bottom of them. You can't like put them in a mug or a teacup or like, you know, something cute. A lot of, you know, cause if you're living in an apartment, it's all about the aesthetic, right? So you want it to, to look nice, but you really do need to make sure that you have that plant in, you know, moderately fast draining soil potting mix. Don't put it in, you know, soil from outdoors and watering it so that the soil is like still kind of, you know, moderately damp. 
Um, but you know, that if you, that, that water goes through the pot. So the, the water is going all the way down. So the roots at the bottom are getting water as well. Um, those tend to be the two big ones. I have found, I had Southern exposure. I had Southern facing windows in New York city. It was very hard for me to grow rosemary. Um, I think there are some herbs that like, they just need so much light and, you know, the light that your outdoor plants are getting is like a hundred times more stronger than the light that you're getting indoors. And that's why houseplants are, you know, houseplants for a reason. They're like lower light tolerant plants. Most of our houseplants are actually the plants that crawl on the floor of the jungle. They're oh. in, yes. Yeah, so they're shade plants. Our houseplants like Monstera, Philodendron, um, you know, whatever else, pothos, whatever the big houseplants are, they're crawling at the bottom of the jungle under the canopy and they're actually getting dappled sunlight. So they're low light plants outdoors and that's why they grow indoors. So um, that's kind of an interesting way to understand yes. how much less light. So if you have a southern facing window, you know, that's that's what you need to know. Also, making sure that you like don't put too big of a plant in too small of a pot. Cause if you're growing on a windowsill, you can't grow more than six, a six inch pot, right? If you have like a standard windowsill. So making sure that you get a small enough plant that can kind of settle in and not just get like root bound immediately. Um, pruning is also important. You know, if the plant does get leggy, like pruning it so that it keeps growing, you know, that lateral growth. Um, but then, you know, there's such an easy answer to this problem, which is grow lights. Um, when I lived in New York, yeah. Yeah. So when I lived in New York city, I had five grow lights in my apartment and you would never know if you walked into my home, you would never know that I had grow lights. There are companies that have designed gorgeous, stylish, modern lights. My favorite company is called Soltex, uh, Soltech. They used to be called Soltech Solutions. I have a coupon code I can give it to you to put in the show notes if people are interested, yeah. but they have a grow bar. They have a um, light that literally um, a bulb that screws into any desk lamp or any floor lamp oh. that then turns your space into like a highlight haven for plants. Uh, they have track lights you can install like in your ceiling if you want. But um, yeah, I had transformed a bookshelf. I grew tomatoes in a bookshelf in New York City. Because I oh put gosh. a grow bar in my bookshelf. I have YouTube videos on that. I can send them to you if your listeners are curious. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so grow lights are just a great way. And all these grow lights come with timers. So all you do is like you set the grow light up once, you put it on the timer that it needs with herbs, you know, eight to 10 hours or six to, six to 10 hours. You can set the grow lights to be running during the day. So it's just like getting extra sunlight in your home. Or if it's in a room that you're that you don't sleep in, you could have the grow lights run at night so that they don't like bother you during the day. Um, and then you just ensure that your plant's going to get the light that it needs. So that's like entry level grow lights. If you want to like really send it, I have a I call it my smoothie spaceship tower. It's a hydroponic tower that has grow lights. It's called. Um, wait, what's it? Oh, lettuce grow. Duh. I'm like, okay. I've had it for three years. Why don't I remember what it is? <laughs> okay. It's a hydroponic planter. So basically you're putting nutrients in the water at the base of it, and then it pumps the water throughout the planter and you grow plants from seed in these plugs. You can order seedlings or you can grow them from seed. I grow them from seed so I can be in control of what I'm growing. Um, 
in the wintertime, I have a tower that I did not buy lettuce once from the grocery store all winter. And I live in New York, so our winter was eight months long. Yep. I grew so much lettuce. We had salads every day. It was totally organic um, in my living room. It was like living room to table, like the next, you know, garden to yep. table, living room to table. So, you know, there are told there's so many different models online of hydroponic planters that you can find, you know, that are small that can fit on your countertop or you could, you know, be insane like me and have a corner of your home dedicated to hydro, you know, basically a vert- vertical hydroponic farm. Um, I mean, I grew micro dwarf tomatoes. I actually had a solstice party yesterday for my friends and I harvested, you know, 50 micro dwarf tomatoes from my indoor planter 50? that I'd been growing. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Because I've yes. seen those and I'm always like, but is it just like this token vegetable or like you you grow and it's like, I got two two tomatoes this year, but no, like that's a So that's a the, key, the key to growing hydroponically and indoors is you need to grow micro dwarf varieties. Ah, so okay. Territorial Seed Company is a big supporter of my podcast. They're incredible. They have a whole line. It's I think it's called their kitchen counter line. They have a whole line of edibles that you can grow in six inch pots. And I grew three different varietals of tomatoes. I'm happy to send you the names of them. I can't remember them off the top of my head. One is called Heartbreakers because the tomato is heart shaped. Um, and each plant is six inches and at least 20 tomatoes each. I mean, the tomatoes are the size of a penny, right? Like they're tiny tomatoes. Um, but I'm growing them for salads. I'm growing them for, you know, I made bruschetta with them yesterday. Like I'm not growing sauce tomatoes in the winter. I'm just growing them for like that, that nutritional hit that I wanted like fresh. So, um, they work great for me and it's actually really fun. Yeah. I grew cucumbers. Um, what was the name of the cucumber? I can send you the names. I'm not going to remember the names of the, of the species, but I grew um, a dwarf cucumber in my hydroponic planter this year. I harvested, I, and I harvested the whole plant before. I mean, I had 20 cucumbers, you know, the Persian cucumbers like that are, you know, four yes. inches long. Yes. I had, I had 20, probably 30 because I was harvesting them as I was going. And then I had to harvest the whole thing before I left. I mean, these plants, these, these micro dwarf plants are so robust. And because the tower is vertical, it's like two square feet of space in my home. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's also just like the salad that was just so good. I hate buying salad in a box at the grocery store. So it felt, it felt so good to just be able to like harvest, you know, basically everything you need. You know, I could harvest my lettuce and my tomato and my cucumber for my living room, which was super cool, but they come with the grow lights, right? So you put the timer on for the grow lights and you put the timer on for the pump and then you just have to refill it once a week and you don't really have to think about it that much. Um, so you do have to get more creative. It's not as simple as like sticking seeds in your soil outside and then getting a tomato plant. But if it's something you prioritize, you can, you can totally do it. Um, and you know, on my journey from 500 square feet, I've definitely tried a lot of, (laughs) a lot of things. Um, and then if you have a balcony, I mean, I have listeners who grow tomatoes on their fire escapes. That's not legal, but you know, if you have a big enough fire escape, I'm not endorsing this, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you can get, yeah, just to be clear, I'm not endorsing this, but like, you know, I had six feet on my balcony and I made it work, you know, 
you yeah. just, you have, you do have to get a little bit more creative. You have to kind of hyper fixate for a minute. That's definitely a personality trait of mine. Um, but it's so rewarding. Yes. I mean, and, uh, and it's, and it's a hobby and it's food production and it's mental health and it's all the things. So it's like, oh my really, gosh, you're, you're getting so much, so many, you're killing so many birds with one stone. I'm like, why, why not? Why, why not? Yeah. Into, in the depths of yeah. the winter to be able to smell my tomato leaves. Tomato smell, yes. tomato leaf smell is it like is one of nice. my favorite smells. Mine too. Um, to be able to smell the tomato leaf in the morning when, you know, the sun would set at 4 p.m. for us yeah. for most of the, you know, most of the winter. It was, I mean, I did it more for my mental health than I did for my nutritional, like for my body's health. I, I 100% do this for my mental health, not for my, you know, seeing a yeah. seed sprout in the winter is like so good for your soul. I feel yes. like, you know, I when agree. everything's under snow. We have brutal winters in Wyoming here too, mm-hmm. eight months at least. And yeah. we built a greenhouse a couple years ago and I, it's not heated. And so I'm growing just like, you know, I do a lot of winter greens and they can go pretty much yeah. to January, but just like being able to go out in December, some days, It'll be yes. cold outside, but there's enough sun. I can wear a t-shirt in the greenhouse. And just that oh my vacuum gosh. D, I'm just like, this feels so good. Like so good. The, the greenhouse build was worth this moment of just being warm and being in soil in December. Like it's just like and, sm- and smelling and it. And smelling that. Yes. So that it there have been studies about that. And I don't remember the results of the studies, but humans, we want the smell of soil. That yeah. sweet, um, especially wet soil. There's um Wet soil petrichor is the name. There's this, there's this thing that happens when soil gets wet that gets released into the air that like humans are very sensitive to. And it's why like after it rains and you go outside, that like damp, sweet smell feels so good. Um, that's called petrichor. And that's also what you're gifting yourself in that, you know, in that greenhouse. Yes, totally. Yeah. You're in all the, all the senses at once. Yeah. Your grow light information, I feel like maybe life changing for me because I thought oh, that you had okay. to get. I have fluorescent grow lights, no. and I have them on a rack. I grow. I start my seeds in my basement, but it is the vibe ain't great. Like it's pretty like the vibe is not good. Industrial, yes. and I no. like picture. You know, I was like, I'm never going to put those in my living room because it just feels yeah. so industrial. But like, I didn't know you could get bulbs that would just screw in. Yeah. So I. I have one south facing window, but it's limited on space. So now I'm like, I could do all sorts of things now with bulbs. And so layouts. on on my podcast, the Growing Joy with Plants podcast, I have three separate episodes on grow lights, deep okay, dives. Awesome. Yep. So <laughs> you can scroll my feed and you can find those grow light episodes. But we get okay. into PPFD, we get into the photosynthetic spectrum you want to look at. Um, obviously, brand recommendations, timing, troubleshooting, like. Uh, we got we got your back covered. If you okay. want grow light information, give your back covered. Also, if you struggle with um understanding your indoor light, because I think a lot of people don't understand their indoor light. I think a lot of people overestimate how much light they get indoors yes. and um what the hell is bright and direct light? Everybody says you need yeah. bright and direct light. Like, what is that? What is that? So yeah. I also have a free worksheet and I can send you the link to it, but it's um a three-day understanding indoor light worksheet that basically you print it out or you download it and you have to download a free app, a light meter app. But basically I walk you through how to track your light throughout your house um, over the course of three days to get a better sense and measure it to get a better sense of exactly what light you're working with. And if you could grow herbs with the light that you have. So, okay, you know, before you make the investment of 
herbs and pots and that kind of stuff if you want to grow indoors. Um, you know, you can kind of work through that worksheet and really understand exactly what type of light you're working with. Because I know that's such a pain yes. point for people, especially growing indoors. I mean, outdoors, it's like, is there sun in my yard? Okay, pro- fine. I can probably grow something, you know. Do I have trees shading my yard or is, d- can I see the sun? I think it gets a little more confusing indoors. So I try to help totally. people out. I love that you have ways to kind of quantify that because like I will confess so many times and this is why my plants are probably dying. I'm like wishful thinking like I read the tag or and I'm like full sun, yeah. full light. I'm like, maybe, maybe this one won't maybe. mean that. So I could put it like on the dresser. I hear you. Like, Jill, you are sabotaging yourself. Stop it. <laughs> so. I hear you. I hear you. It's hard because the prettiest plants, like the purple ones and the white ones and like, you know, all the plants that you see and you're like, oh my gosh, I want that plant. Technically, if it's um, a house plant that is variegated, that has white or yellow in it, or it's a pink plant, like a croton or like something like that, those plants always need more light because green, the dark green is where the photosynthesis happens. So if they're variegated, they don't have the cells to, to photosynthesize. So they need more light because they have less real estate to photosynthesize with. So, um, yeah, so it's, I've totally been there too. And also the prettier plants tend to be the more expensive plants. So it hurts when you buy them and they die. Um, and that's also where grow lights come in. So in my apartment, I mean, I had grow lights in every corner. They're like pendant hanging lights. So they just look like Mm -hmm. a modern light fixture. And then I would turn that corner into like this highlight haven. And I got, um, uh, Ikea makes these tiered planter stands. So I would put like the highlight plant closest to the grow light. And then as I went farther and farther away from the grow light, I'd have like my snake plants on the floor. So I almost created this high, medium, low light tier in the corner of my room with one grow light. Um, and there's tons of different strategies that, you know, you can use to really get the biggest bang for your buck of your space and whatever investment you're going to make in a grow light too. Okay. Good to know. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm conceptualizing now. Um, Two questions. With houseplants or especially like maybe herbs, do we mm-hmm. do we need to be worrying about fertilizing the soil or just like is I'm assuming fresh potting soil is important? Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I think for a season you're good. I mean, fresh okay. potting soil is fine. Herbs don't, they're not as heavy feeders. I mean, tomatoes, yeah. yeah. But herbs, fresh potting soil from a bag, not from your lawn. Um, indoors, it's there's way too much clay. So you've got to do fresh potting soil especially if it's organic, like that soil is going to have the nutrients that that plant needs for a while. Um, especially if it's just like a little baby pot of basil, you know what I mean? Um, if you put it under grow lights and that plant becomes extremely robust and you're growing year round and you're not growing seasonally, then yes, you want to start fertilizing. Um, and I don't know, there's tons of, there's tons of different ways to fertilize. You could do with a liquid fertilizer that you just put in your watering can. You could do the, you know, the sprinkle that you water in on top. Um, yeah, fertilizing tends to be very like kind of specific to what people want and how messy they want to get. Okay, sure. Yeah. And then I think my other big question is now as you're talking, like I, I have to, I also have to confess, I, because I love the look of plants, but I have plastic ones in my office because I cannot. Yeah, no shade. So no I would like, I would like to um, now I would like to change that. So what are some really 
uh, hardy houseplants you would recommend mm-hmm. for someone like me? And also, what, mm-hmm. is there a place online to get them? Where do you get your houseplants? Because I I live in Wyoming, so we don't have a yeah. lot of store options. Yeah. Great questions. Number one, I totally 180 on plastic plants. The first couple of years of my podcast, I was like, don't you dare have plastic plants. And now I'm like, now that I've done the research and now that I understand like how seeing the color green is good for you, you know, because we relate on a subconscious level green to nature. I'm like, however you can bring that sense of nature indoors, do it. So no stress, no shade about the plastic plants. (laughs) Um, I mean, I, I also feel like those plastic plants like collect dust, you know, like there's there's maintenance in a whole different way with those plastic plants. But um, OK, so does your office have light? What What's the light situation in your office? Do you have windows in your office? I do. I have two windows that face the east. So okay. I can put I have some shelves pretty close to those windows and then I have spots mm-hmm. that are, you know, further away. It's not a very deep office, but it, I mean, it's not okay. southern facing. Yeah. So. That's okay. Eastern light is great for houseplants. Okay. Um, herbs, it's different, but east. So, in terms of strength of windows, um, the sun in the northern hemisphere rises in the east, sets in the west. So, the strongest light is going to be southern. The second strongest light is going to be western because the sun gets kind of hotter and stronger throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Third is eastern, but eastern is like a beautiful, gentle morning light that a lot of houseplants thrive in. And then northern is the least because it's actually your northern windows actually aren't getting direct sunlight. Um, So knowing that, so you have eastern exposure. um, And then also, I just wanted to validate you in saying there are so many gardeners who don't, um, who there are so many gardeners who think that they're houseplant killers. Like there are so many gardeners who, yeah, um, because your energy and efforts are spent outside, right? I have this conversation with my friend, Joe Lample from Joe Gardner mm-hmm. show all the time. He's, he's a pretty amazing gardener. Um, you know, you're spending your time outdoors. So do you think that because of that, you would be watering your plants like once every two weeks, like once every week, like you kind of want a low maintenance plant indoors because your garden is yes. so high maintenance? Ideally. Okay. And in the winter, you know, I, I always tell myself our winters are long, so it's not like I'm growing outside all the time, but I almost mm-hmm. go into my own hibernation when the garden dies outside. 100%. And I just forget things grow still, you know? Yep. So yeah. I totally hear you. So two things. Number one, I have a, so I don't think there's a one starter plant for everyone. I think yeah. you have to match your personality and lifestyle to the plants. That's where a successful, you know, plant person is going to cr- be created. So to me, you're the personality profile that I have outlined called the low maintenance, the low key plant parent. That's someone who has a garden they're focused on, has little kids, maybe travels for work. They want plants in their life, but they don't want to like be engaging with their plants every day. Um, I have a free quiz on my website that people are welcome to go take and I'll send you, you know, if you take it, I'll give you your personality profile and recommended plants. So for the low key plant parent, um, I would suggest... In your eastern facing window, you could put like a medium light plant, um, but you want it to keep hardy. So I think like tropicals, like, um, do you have pets? I do. Yes. Dogs? Dogs. Yep. Okay. Cause the other thing is with, um, picking houseplants, you want to make sure there are houseplants that are toxic to ant, to animals. Oh, yeah, sure. So, um, if your dog or cat isn't a pet that would eat your plants, it doesn't matter. But if they are, okay. you want to be mindful of that. 
Peperomia is an awesome genus that has so many different types of plants that would thrive in an eastern windowsill. Um, they're non-toxic for pets. You can water them like a succulent. You can water them every couple of weeks and they're going to be so happy. Um, you can get the variegated kinds. You could get uh, – they come in all shapes and sizes. Okay. Um, Hoya might be another wonderful genus for you. Hoya is what I have – my Hoya collection is right above my head in my office. Oh, awesome. I do okay. have them in a grow light, but that's because my office is very low light. Hoya, another genus that has so many different leaf shapes and sizes and colors. They bloom and they have incredible blooms. You might you might get them to bloom in an eastern window. You might not, but their leaves are beautiful enough that, you know, that's amazing. But Hoya, for people who have southern facing windows, they're famous for their blooms because their blooms all have different scents. So there's oh, scents cool. like That's cinnamon, awesome. cinnamon scented blooms, like popcorn scented blooms. They make nectar that's edible. You can like lick their nectar, which oh is a whole gosh. weird trend online. Okay. Um, so you could do that. Um, I would stay away from snake plants. Snake plants is a huge recommendation I make, but they are toxic. So if your dog would yeah. eat it, I wouldn't suggest that. Monstera okay. is another toxic plant that I would recommend if you didn't have pets for like a low maintenance. I mean- I'm lucky if I remember to water my monsteras like once every three weeks. I'm a low maintenance okay. plant parent too. So awesome. awesome. Um, let's see. ZZ plants. Yeah. That's a good plant. Very hardy, drought tolerant. Okay. Um, oh, and philodendron. Obviously, one of the largest, most famous genus in the houseplant community. Okay. Philodendrons are cool so. because if you have like a bookshelf, you could put it on top of a bookshelf and it could you know, cascade down that bookshelf. That's like a, such a beautiful aesthetic moment. Yes. Um, I have one out of frame, but I have one cascading down my bookshelf and I have two downstairs. Um, you know, they're the heart leafed, heart leafed plant that's vining. You could trail it up or you could have it, you know, cascade down. They have different variegated varieties. Um, yeah. Anther, Anthurium too. I mean, there's a couple of basic anthurium. Well, I feel like I've thrown a lot of names at you. So I feel like that's good. I don't yeah. want to overwhelm you. Uh, yes, that's a good I'm going to start here. I, I wrote yeah, it down. Yeah, sorry. Yes. No, you're good. I like, I love all the ideas. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then where do I, where can I get them? Do you have any good recommendations? Ah, um, I always recommend going and picking your plants out at your local garden center if possible okay. or your local plant shop. Because you want to look at the plant. You want to inspect the roots. You want to like make sure it's a healthy plant. Um, but if not, and you are in Wyoming or, you know, like me, I don't have a lot of opportunity up where I live either. There are amazing websites that you can order plants on. And a lot of the websites have really pretty pots as well. So like the first oh, thing okay. that comes to mind is the sill. Okay. Their pots are as pretty as their plants. Um, oh, nice. Whenever I send gifts, I use the sill. Um, okay. There's another there's another online ordering that I've had great success with, um, Little Prince, okay. Little Prince Plants. I think it's littleprince2go.com. They have every type of houseplant you can want. And they also have outdoor plants as well. So if you need to, you know, put in an order for both. Um, Bloomscape is another one that I've used that I like. Um, Plantarina is all houseplants. Okay. Um, she's good. She's She has growers in Florida. So most of the houseplants are grown in Florida. Um, and she's in Florida shipping directly from okay. Florida, which is nice. Um, so yeah, the other thing I would say is if you want to be like thrifty, look in your local Facebook groups because oh. there's a lot of like, um, plants, houseplant lovers, Facebook groups for 
your county. Like if you Google oh, your county and houseplants, there's probably okay. going to be a group near near you. And a lot of those people sell cuttings and they sometimes are moving and just offer plants for free. Um, so I have also found that connecting with those, you know, local Facebook groups, if you're thrifty and you like, you know, yeah. a buy nothing group, um, you find great houseplants in those sometimes. That's a great idea. I would not have thought of yeah. that. Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a whole page of notes of I love it. what I'm going to do when we get off the call. I, my favorite episodes are where guests just like expand my horizons and what's possible. And that absolutely happened today. So this oh, good. Amazing. I yes. could talk about, I could talk with you forever. This is so fun. And it's yes. fun to, to have a chat with, you know, you're like who I want to grow up to be. I'm like, yes, the other day I, um, the other day I went to our local Agway, our local like tractor supply company. And I, uh, they let me hold a baby chick and I die. Oh, I mean, yeah. my, yeah. I want to get so bad. <laughs> all over, I will yeah. go. I will go into the local farm store to listen to the peeps of the baby yes. chicks. Yes. I, like I do that once a week, like a real yep. weirdo, yep. but I just like live for those baby chicks and I can't yes. wait to have some so of my when, own. when is the chicken moment happening? Like you have a, do you have, we have to move. Date? Yeah. When oh, we buy you, a place, you're renting right now. Yes. We're renting okay. right now. Yes. Yes. So I'm just doing my research and, you know, yes. reading some homesteading books and some, you know, chicken books, but I know that. I know that's my next journey. I mean, I love birds. I have a baby bird. You know, yes, I just, yes. I feel like I was a bird in another life. So I just yes. love them so much. How many chickens yes. do you have right now? That is a great question. And they're never in the same place at the same time. So I'm not sure. Wow. <laughs> there is an undetermined number of chickens outside. Um, the dream. The dream. They're just everywhere, all the places. So uh, probably like 30-ish, I think. Oh my God. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah. My dream. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And there's always like, whenever I'm doing calls outside, there's always roosters in the background. I don't know. I just... I'll always have chickens. I think they're just, yeah. they're just fun. Yeah. Just fun. So fun. So, awesome. Well, Maria, can you remind everyone where they can go find you online? I know they're going to want to follow along with all the amazing things you are doing. Yes. Come over and hang out with me in the podcast world as well. My podcast is called Growing Joy with Plants. Um, it's a perfect companion listening, you know, to this podcast. If you like this podcast, you're going to like my podcast yeah. and vice yeah. versa. Um, I also have a book called Growing Joy, The Plant Lover's Guide to Cultivating Happiness. It's a self-help book about how to use plants to live a happier life. So if any that. of this if any of this episode resonated with you, you're going to love my book. It's just like more information, more research and over 60 practices that you can do in the gardens or the homesteads that you already have established to just enrich your experience. And then I'm Growing Joy with Maria on all socials. I primarily hang out on Instagram, but I'm on TikTok as well. Um, so yeah, come DM me or come hang out with me. I'd, I'd love to love to chat and learn more about all of the homesteads you're already cultivating as you know, I'm such a fangirl of that lifestyle and I'm slowly, slowly inching towards it. Yes. Awesome. Everybody go follow Maria. She has some great content, um, so much value that she's sharing with the world. So Thank you again for coming on. This has been an absolute joy and I can't wait to keep in touch with you as time goes on. I can't wait to have you on my show soon. Yes, that's coming too, guys. So watch for that.